Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Are you good today? Is someone excited to be in God's presence? Can you shout hallelujah? Yes. It's another beautiful day. It's another great time in God's house. It's another time to study the word of God together and I'm very excited about what the Lord is going to tell us tonight so I need you to be alert because God is going to speak to you so for someone tonight is your night of answered prayers tonight is your night of clarity for someone it's your it's your moment of encounter with Jesus. An unusual encounter. Amen. Okay. If you're joining us online for the first time, we thank you so much for coming today. Let's welcome our online church. We have people watching us online. Thank you for being part of this service today. God bless you. Please be attentive. And if this is your first time, thank you so much for coming today. Greetings from our senior pastor, Pastor Taiwo Odukoya. My name is Tolo Bege, and I'm the pastor of the Grace Family of the Fountain of Life Church, alongside with my beautiful wife, Olufunke Ige. Thank you so much, and God bless you. I like to look at, anytime I read through Jesus' ministry on earth, I mean, his miracles and all of that, the gospel particularly, Matthew, Mark, Luke, yeah, the synoptic gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then, of course, the John. Sometimes I walk in that moment as if I, as if I were to be with him, like I was just part of the convoy following him. So that moment affords me the opportunity to think and just to, you know, see things as though Jesus was just right in front of me performing those miracles. It helps me to appreciate him the more. So this afternoon I was just thinking, trusting the Lord. You know, we've been looking at the name of Jesus, that's the series we started last Sunday. As I was studying Luke chapter 8, and I began to meditate, particularly from it's it's a scripture that we know. We are very familiar with what we're going to share tonight, but I just trust God to open our eyes to see, you know, new things, wondrous things from his word this evening. So I got to verse 22 of, of uh, Luke chapter 8. It's a story we know Jesus crossed and then he calmed the sea and all of that. You know, he rebuked the sea. The disciples were sleeping and they had to run to Jesus to, to say, Master, don't you care that we die? You know, storm is going to take us and you are here sleeping. 
And I said to myself, oh, these guys, you know, they're quite smart and, and intelligent. They were aware that Jesus was in the boat with them. And so rather than them to, to die, allow the storm to just blow them to the sea, they, they ran to Jesus. And that tells me something. And even when it looks as if the storm of life is waiting on me, it's just smart for me to run to Jesus, isn't it? They didn't shy away from the fact that, oh, he was going to say to us, we don't have faith. Right? It wasn't their business. What was more important to them was their life. And maybe someone just whispered to him or herself and say, or to himself, because we're all male anyway. Say, maybe somebody said to Peter, Brother Peter, are we just going to die like that? Maybe you, you have tried all that you could, you know. It's, you know, experienced fishermen in the way. They've been on the sea, right? They could understand the waves and perhaps they've tried all that they could and it wasn't working. And they ran to Jesus. Master, you have to do something. But that's not where we are going. Verse 26. I, I trust God for strength, so I'm going to get stronger. <laughs> so they arrived in the region of Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked. I need you to underline those words if you can find them in your Bible. Homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had, take, had often taken control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles. He simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the power of the demons. Verse 30, Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large crowd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and entered her, and the entire herd plunged down this, this steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside. 
spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the, of, of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. For a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home, saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. I asked us to, of course, Jesus had rebooked the storm. And so he crossed to the other side, of course. Uh, uh, some versions will say the madman of Gadara, right? This man could not be controlled because he was he was under an influence of the demons. You see, legion means, means 6,000. So in other words, this guy had 6,000 demons in him. Don't forget that Mary had just three or seven demons actually and so this man had 6,000 living in him he must be very crazy he must be such a crazy crazy fellow meaning nothing they could do to control this man every time they put him under guard it's easier for him to just break the chain and just move. The Bible tells us that for a long time he had been homeless and naked. Living in tombs outside the town. And as I began to meditate, the Holy Spirit said to me, anyone that Jesus has no abode in him is homeless. It's easier just for us to look at the man and say, okay. He's, he, was, he was naked. And being, being naked is a sign or an indication of someone who is unwell. You agree with me? So when you look at people, let's, let's bring it home now. Let's bring it to us a time. So when you look at people or, or, and then or people had come to a point where they feel that nakedness is no longer shameful. How are they different from this man? 
and I, I, I'm not talking to specifically to any gender, I'm talking to male and female now. When nakedness is not a shameful thing, then something is wrong. You don't think so? Living in tombs outside of town. Now, there are three indications or three things that I want us to pay attention to. You realize that when this man had an encounter with Jesus and, and the demon was sent out of him, we read from the Bible that he sat down at the feet of Jesus. This was a man that was either tall out of control. So when uh, uh, um, pride has taken its its place as king in anyone's life, the person is also unwell. When you find it very difficult to submit to simple or Authority or instructions, there is a problem. And I will draw attention to things that we seemingly could do that we don't pay attention to, like you don't obey traffic light. Something is not right. The Bible tells us that we should obey all ordinances. When as a believer, you are trying to cut corners. Something is not right with you. When you find it very difficult to submit to, it's as simple as employees' code of conduct. I'm not even talking about constitution now. Just a code of conduct in your office. You are the one that rebel against everything. You always find all reasons not to obey. I mean, there are circumstances that you have to stand if it's against what you believe and profess as believers. But if it is just uh, just being uh, what I, is it flagrant disobedience? You just don't want to obey anybody. Nobody can talk to you. It's a sign of an unwell believer. Let me start from verse 35. People rushed out to see what had happened. The crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet. You can imagine how surprising the scene would have been when a, a notorious crazy fellow suddenly became gentle. To a point where 
he had come to a self-realization of his nakedness and demanded for a cloth. They, they should have wondered if I were in their shoes, I would have done the same. It must have been a Ewa Wo cinema. So what I'm saying, the essence of all of this is, is the Holy Spirit was just telling, telling me that, see, when you have Jesus in you, something must be spectacular about your life that people will see and say that indeed you know him. This man, this man wasn't the one that went to the town in the first place that began to announce himself that I have been healed. The change in his life was so obvious that the people could not deny that something had happened to this man. Can people look at us really and say that we are different from an unbeliever? Is there a clear-cut difference, difference, I beg your pardon, between ourselves, believers, and an unbeliever? If none exist, even in your place of work, if they cannot single you out as the one who know God, something is not correct. And I want to just remind us of the disciples. You know, they beat them. And they, they said, well, we know this ones. They were just ordinary men. But there's a fact about their lives. They've been with Jesus, so they are not ordinary anymore. He sat at Jesus' feet, fully clothed, fully, fully, fully clothed, not show me some skin fully 100% this was someone that being naked was not shameful to him and so it, it, it should sadden our hearts to see that people would deliberately tell their tailor cut this place so that they will see some stuffs Really? Don't you think that something is not right about that? Or should we not tell ourselves the truth? Our lives must glorify God. And I'm not just talking about what they could see about you, but even in your heart, what lives in it? We should not be a believer who is close to God with his mouth but his heart is 10 miles away from God. If you deceive me, if you deceive your neighbor, if you deceive your parent, we can't deceive God. There are quite a number of lessons, of course. Uh, 
And some of these people, the headsman, they felt that the cost of, of healing this madman was too high. We could not afford Jesus healing all the crazy fellow in town and then casting all the demons to our heads of pig. And so we are left without a means of livelihood. So they begged Jesus. This one thing that you have done, you have tried for you have tried for us. We don't need your miracles. We don't need your healing. Don't even <laughs> you have not even entered the town. You have started just by the border. You have, in other words, some heads. Don't somebody, don't somebody, you know, own the pig, and it cost them money, right? And so they said, "See, before <laughs> you don't think so, eh?" <laughs> Before you cause trouble for us in the town, of course, for them to be hearing pig, there must be a number of shepherds too. Who have perhaps that was their, you know. So they said to him, Oga, you have done well. <laughs> After all, this one we have known him to be mad for a long time. It's enough. Just carry your things and go back before you turn us to, you know. Should, is this the way we see Jesus too? We feel that the cost of following Jesus is high. And we consider his burden to be heavy. Is that our perspective of Jesus? But yet other things that are irrelevant that are not beneficial to us in any way, if at all they, got, they, are, they have the potentials of giving you heart attack, are more important in your life than carrying your cross daily and follow Jesus. Is that the way we see Jesus too? We feel that the cost of following him is high. We just need God to help us. And so they begged him, said, Oga, your boat has not left. Enter that boat again and go back to where you have come from. And surprisingly, the man that was healed, the madman, we don't know his name, felt, what could be more joyful for me than to follow Jesus who had healed me? And maybe he said to himself, I will find no relevance in this place. Perhaps the owner of the, of, the, of the pig that drowned will hold me responsible and ask me to come and pay. Maybe that was his thought. Possibly so. Maybe he said to himself, I have never worked all my life. Possibly so. If they hold me to my neck to come and pay, how will I get the money? And so he quickly tell Jesus, Master, let me follow you. I will be safer with you. But Jesus didn't look at him like someone that just got healed. Jesus just simply said to him, go back to the town. Go into the town. Now, 
I have done the work. I am committing the rest to you to do. Go and tell them. Go and narrate your story. Don't waste your experiences. Go and tell them what had happened to you. Tell the world. Tell the whole town about me. And then, and you will notice in verse 39, Jesus said, no. Go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. Okay? So he went all through the town. You see, if you would, Holy Spirit, thank you. You know, I just noticed that the instruction Jesus gave to him was go to your family. Right? Did you see that in your Bible? But what did you do? Eh? Come again. If God has blessed you, if you have had an encounter with Jesus, you can't be quiet. For this man, telling his family was not enough of God's goodness. Jesus did not send him to the town. You see, we call Jesus Jehovah Obadu. Right? Why is it not the other way also? Jesus sent him on a mile journey. He went 10 miles. It, it didn't matter to him what his experiences must have been. The shame didn't matter to him anymore because the shame is rolled away. The burden has been lifted. The chain is broken. He didn't care what was going to say to him, but I used to know you, you were mad. He said, oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I was, but now I am healed. He didn't care what was going to say to him that you have been naked for 10 years. We know all your anatomy. He did not care. He did not hide the goodness of God. He did not hide the deposit of God's goodness in his life. He did not just go to his family. The Bible says he went to the old to proclaim what Jesus had done for him. In fact, the Bible says proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. Maybe someone is still thinking, what should be my message? Now I ask you, what has the Lord done for you? How has the Lord been good to you? That's enough a message. His healing became his purpose. He became the, the healing experience became his purpose. I've, I've, I've watched documentaries of great people, great minds, and I just sit down and I listen, I listen, I listen, I listen. But I've come to realize that they send the, their message is about 
their experience with God. How God has brought them from one level of life to the other. That's the message. And they keep going to the world, telling the world, if God could do this for me, then he can do the same for you. His experience, his healing experience, became his purpose. And I'm sure perhaps he lived the rest of his life. Moving from one town, the Bible did not say that too. Moving from one town to the other, telling everyone what great things, what the great things that Jesus did for him. So are you still waiting for, for a, a message? Let's look at let's look further down. It's, it's quite interesting. So Jesus had been begged to leave. Right? So he had left. He had left from the region of Gerasenes. Abi? He said, carry your things and go. So he left with his boat. And on the other side, you see, interestingly. They asked him to leave. That was an answered prayer for some set of people. On the other side of the lake, some people were waiting for him. I want to more Jesus. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus. Can you imagine? Some people, set of people, say, "Go, we don't want you." And when he crossed to the other side, they welcomed Jesus. Because they had been waiting. They had been waiting for him. Maybe not just waiting, maybe also praying. Don't let them delay this Jesus. We need him. He must be here and all of that and all of that. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. A leader of the local synagogue. He was not an ordinary man. Jairus was the one that would decide what to teach in a synagogue. He would tell you who is leading the hymn. He was a man of influence. It wasn't ordinary. Just not just someone that you can just you know, just kick to one side. A leader of the local synagogue. He was wealthy, perhaps well known too, and also very respected. But he had a challenge. His daughter was going to die, and so he had no place to run to. But then he came to Jesus, and he said, "Jesus." My daughter is dying. Come with me. When you read this, the next few chapters, you see two, you see there are two miracles and uh, almost two extreme personalities. And so in the midst of that, as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds a woman 
in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure coming up behind Jesus she touched the fringe of his robe immediately the bleeding stopped now let's describe this woman Shall we've described Jarius this woman must have been ostracized from the society because of the issue of blood she had no right to enter the synagogue she possibly had no money perhaps all she had was just the clothes that she wears maybe some few extra you know clothing that she could exchange with she has been bleeding without stop for 12 years you don't just want to imagine what she must have been through possibly stinky no one will want to touch her because the moment you touch her you become unclean possibly she's been sent away from her family members they would not want to have dealings with her and she said if only I could touch him perhaps she in herself she thought I'm not even clean enough to touch him or maybe speak to him but if I can just stretch and touch his robe I will be healed she came to Jesus with a with a level of faith that has never been seen before for her you don't have to touch me You see, uh, the man, Jairus, the, the, look, the look, this leader was still, you follow me. But for her, faith was not just about uh, come with me, no. I don't need you to come with me. I just need to touch you. And she could not, of course, come in behind, of course, verse 45. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me. Deliberately touched me. You see, your walk with God, with Jesus, must be deliberate. It's an intentional following of Jesus. It should not be just uh, today it's okay, tomorrow it's not okay, and all of that. It's, it comes with a level of intentionality. You must just be intentional about your Jesus. Jesus said, someone touched me deliberately. It was a function of the mind. And you see, when we approach our walk with God in this manner, heaven will always respond to us. 
We must take our walk with Jesus seriously, friends. Jesus knew amongst the crowd that this wasn't just about crowd just pressing on me. No. A virtue has left me. Someone has drawn from me. And so you say, we have come to draw, draw, draw. From. But your mind is far from Jesus. How can you, what do you want to draw? At best you have goose pimples. You just, just flap a bit, flap, 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 flap. You want to draw, but you are not deliberate. You are not intentional about following Jesus. You can't draw nothing. Since you have come to draw from now till tomorrow, nothing will happen. And your, your, your Jesus must not be... You see, it's for this woman, it's, Jesus was personal to him. I'm sure there were a lot of people too in the crowd who had challenges too. But the fact that she was intentional about touching Jesus even stood still to respond to her request. She was singled out amongst the crowd because she was deliberate about touching Jesus. Did that must come to God must believe that he is God? You don't think so? Bible tells us. They that must come to God must believe that he is, first criteria, that he is God. Before you talk about any reward. So when you realize that he is God, then he is the rewarder of them that will diligently seek him. Jesus said, I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain. Don't forget that Jesus stopped. Somebody touched me. Jairus' daughter is still dying. You know? And so in his mind he was saying, Jesus, please, nobody touched you. Don't you know that crowd, a lot of crowd here. I mean, I have a pressing need. My daughter is going to die. And so Jesus was talking. Somebody touched me. It wasn't just, it, guess, I, 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 I know. It wasn't just going to be a very straightforward conversation. There must be a time, time into everything. Before Peter spoke, other disciples must, must have spoken. Some people, people in the crowd must have said, no, nobody touched you. I did not touch you. And all of that, and all of that. Jairus had a need. Waiting. And so, the woman came to Jesus. She worshipped Jesus. And she began to explain. And 
when the woman is explaining, eh, she must have explained with excitement. She must have narrated maybe how she had been duped by one doctor to another. Somebody that just somebody had problems for 12 years and the problem had stopped. And the person now was given the opportunity to explain. Ah, it must have been a very detailed explanation. Jairus was still waiting. You know the lesson I learned that the Holy Spirit ministered to me? At the end of it all, the Jairus, did he get his healing? Oh, he got the healing from his, for his daughter. And the Holy Spirit said to me, God is never late. Sometimes we feel God is attending to other people. And then you are telling yourself, but God, where are you? Sometimes in a very similar problem or challenge that you have, you have prayed together with people, they've got, they've got their healing and you're asking, have you left me? But God is saying to you, no, I haven't left you yet. I'm not just done with you yet. If you will just be patient, I am coming for you. As a matter of fact, you're on that journey with me. Don't bother all the things, all the miracles, all the testimonies of people. Rejoice with them because your own is still coming. God is never late. And so, you know, while Jesus was still doing all of that, maybe listening, maybe Jesus sat down and then the woman also sat down and they were gisting and then the woman told Jesus, you know, I went to Dr. Abalaka, I went to Dr. Tamedo. I went to this, I went to that. Even my sister, she, she no longer speaks to me. Even they don't, long, they don't allow me to come to the family house anymore. Even if I see them on the street, I agree, they don't even answer me. Thank you, oh, I'm healed now. And all of that, and all of that story, somebody came from the house of Jairus. I said, don't bother Jesus anymore. He doesn't need to come. Your daughter, gone, dead, very dead. Just allow him to heal other people. Baby, people brought their sick and all of that. Don't disturb him anymore. That tells me the voice of people who says to us that your time is no longer coming. Or they have said to you, why do you worry Jesus? Your own is finished though. Your case has no solution. Why don't you change your... Why are you still, why are you still serving him? Why are you still following him? He has failed you. Do you think Jesus cares for you? But Jesus said to... To Jairus in chapter 5, verse 50. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. She will be healed. Verse 51. When they arrived at the house, Jesus would not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little guest's father and mother. This is it. We must shut out every 
voice or voices that is not agreeing with us on the things that God has said about you. Because they maybe they were, they were when Jesus said to them that she was only sleeping, they were laughing. Ah, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? Somebody has died. You are saying the person is sleeping. Is it a joke? Are you kidding me? Let's read further. Verse 53. When the crowd laughed, but the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. They laughed. Verse 52. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. The same crowd laughed. I don't understand. Pity party. They didn't see the possibility of life in that situation. Is that the kind of people that we want around us all the time? Oh, that's why some people just like to be pitied. These same people pity you. They are, they, they are laughing. They will just... They just woo, 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 woo. And then when you tell them, oh, but I know my God can do it. They just turn back. <laughs> look at this. Look at this one. Because that's what they want to hear at all times. You should be very careful of the people that pity you. And you don't also be, don't like to be pitied. I mean, they were wailing, the same crowd. I, you could, I mean, I mean, wailing and crying. When Jesus told them she was asleep, they laughed. Is it, is it irony, Abby? You must shut away noises that will only speak negative things. They question uh, the possibility of God's promises for your life. You are on a journey of what God has committed you to, commissioned you to do. They are telling you, are you sure you are not going to fail? Now tell them. Did you send me this walk in the first place? Did you send me on this journey in the first place? If you're not the one that sent me on this walk, don't bother whether I'm going to fail or not. Because the one that has sent me will ensure that I, that I do not fail. Jesus took the, the his disciples, those who will agree with him, who have seen the things he has done, and the parents of the of the of the girl, and went inside, away from the crowd. We must learn 
to step away from the crowd to a place of solitude with Jesus. I mean, from the noises in the world, we must always learn to, we must learn, as a matter of fact, to stay away from the crowd, from the crowd, and stay with Jesus in solitude. And ask him, my father, my savior, what is the way forward? Tell your neighbor, stay away from the crowd. But the crowd laughed at him because they knew she is dead. Verse 54. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, My child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Verse 56. Her parents were overwhelmed. But Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. If I may ask you, what has the Lord told you today? What have you learned from the few verses of the scriptures that we've read? You want to say something? Yes, please. Can I have a microphone for our please? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, For my own part, I I learned that um, the aspect of Jesus healing that madman, and regardless of what happened, he was willing to just go with him. It's more like how somebody could be in darkness before, and then Jesus, uh, the, the love of Christ was preached to you, and it opens your eyes to a reality of, oh, this is what I've been missing. In fact, I don't care I, I'm, so, I'm thinking he has his family and all, but if, while he was healed, he didn't bother about family and every other person. He just said, see, I just want to follow you. So I kind of want to believe that it's the same way that would happen with people who are yet to know Christ. And the moment they get to know him, it, it, it opens their eyes and in turn they can actually just want to say, I just want to remain where you are. I don't want to go back to the old ways I was with. Any other person? Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, I learned that God is never late. Uh, you know, when you were when you were um, describing how how the man in, I mean how this man that was waiting, Jairus that was waiting on Jesus, how he felt. You know, earlier today I was just thinking through how God. When, when I was looking for an apartment, you know, I was just thinking through that. During those times, I was so in, like, I was really, really asking God, oh God, hey, just give me this place. I could imagine God just looking at me and, you know, just thinking that the place you want to go is already being prepared. Because that place, I, out of all the places I, I was looking for then, I was asking, the places that they were taking me to, no, no house that like 
for those that they renovated, none of they won't, one thing that they don't do is that they don't paint it. But this one that I got is painted, the renovation, everything just finished. Now, just thinking that, say, when we're renovating this place, just God, 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 just looking at me that, see, why are you in a hurry? Just wait now. So, when he was talking about how I, I, could, I, could, I could imagine how Jairus was feeling that, ah, let's go now, Jesus, let's go. <laughs> so, I really learned that, that God is never late, He's always on time, and we should be patient with Him. Yeah. Any other person? Yeah. Um, Hallelujah. Amen. I learned that obedience, just obey the word of God. Just forget about anything anybody's talking about. Just focus on the word of God and is the absolute. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, I learned that um, there is no way you would live a life in Christ and there would be nothing distinctive, distinctive about your life. There will always be something to show that, oh, this person is a true child of God. And I also learned, he said something. He said, there's no way God will do something for you and you keep quiet about it. Yes. There, even if sometimes we don't talk about it, people around you will know that, ah, I'm alone teaching completely now. So that's what I learned, sir. All right. Okay. So I learned two things. First, um, the man that was possessed he was there are some signs about him he was naked he used to hurt people angry mm. bitter mm, shameless depressed and all kinds of things and when Jesus came the demons left him he was clothed he had peace he became obedient spiritually. He grew within a few minutes because Jesus was very, he was very close. He was at the feet of Jesus. And the joy and the desire to go, to evangelize, was so much in him. It was just a man that got to know God. But he had had disciples that were following him all this while. But this one, even when they say go, without even Jesus, he didn't say, ah, let me learn. What do I tell people? What do I, how do I? He just went forward because the love, he sat at the feet of Jesus and some things were deposited and he went forth. The Spirit of God just led him, guided him and he went forth in that power and he was hungry to do the will of God. So as children of God, by the time you sit at the feet of Jesus, there's so many things that will change about your life. When you just sit there, the world, everything washing you. And when you're supposed to do the things you're supposed to do, you don't even need to look for. When you get to where you're supposed to go to, the things will come first. And the second one, the woman with the issue of blood. Um, faith spoke. It was faith that touched Jesus. She didn't just say, let me go. She said, I wish. She made up her mind and she went. She didn't just stay there. She didn't wait for Jesus, like you said, to touch her. You know. So sometimes, um, let me use a simple so that I don't go too far. When we come to church, especially when you're new, um, you keep saying um, these people are—they're not friendly. They—they they don't make friends. Nobody talk to me. But sometimes there are some things as a Christian you have to do. Don't always wait. 
if people are not being friendly, you can also decide to be friendly. You don't have to wait every time for things to come to you. There are some things you just have to, as a Christian, move forward to do. God has given us everything within us to just live like him and be like him. But sometimes, I don't know if it's fear or low self-esteem, or sometimes when you're not very much in touch or in tune, with, so you feel you're not capable, the fear comes in. But when you're having a good time with God every day, every second, that boldness, if you're walking, you feel as if you're a queen, you're a king, and anytime you're like that with God, you see things happening around you. Faith will always speak. You can even see somebody and just lay hands and move. That doubt will not come because you're always in tune with So she faith spoke. She made up her mind. She learned some things about Jesus. She didn't give up. She said, one more time. And faith spoke. And that was why Jesus stopped. Because she said, she just touched him. And when Jesus now said, who touched me? He wasn't actually, it's not as if he didn't know. But he wanted her to seal that testimony by her confessing and saying this was what happened. So she sealed that testimony by saying, Jesus knew who touched him, but he wanted her to Seed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, in addition to what she said, as she was speaking, one of the things that I also see in that story is a woman that never gave up. She didn't say, I've tried. And um, if signs had failed me, then nothing else could help me. She not give up. So I'm sure if she hadn't received her healing, possibly she would still be looking out for Jesus. Maybe it will be this time if I can see him and all of that. I mean, I just said that she didn't give up. That tells me that Tolu, don't give up on God. Because God will not give up on you. That I haven't received an answer yet. It doesn't mean that I've been denied of my miracles. It could have been delayed. I might see that as delayed, but it's just God's timing that is more important for my life. After all, God doesn't see things the way I see them. Uh, I, I used to say this you know, to myself some years back that uh, if God knows that something is going to harm me or going to kill me because I'm getting it prematurely, He isn't going to give it to me. A woman that never gave up. So I just thought to share that also. Thank you for that expository. Okay, any other person? Praise God. Hallelujah. First, First thing I learned is um, um, there are different levels of faith. Um, the faith of the crowd waiting for Jesus to come. The faith of Jairus to go and call him to follow him. And the faith of um, the woman with the issue of blood, if I could touch. That's one. Then the second one is from the um, the madman that professed Jesus Christ. That seems to be your favorite. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. In fact, it just confirmed there's a scripture that I've been pondering on 
for a very long time now. Um, Second Corinthians three, um, Second Corinthians chapter one, verse three and four. Um, Blessed be God of all comfort, who comforted us from all our um, um, trials, that we may also comfort people and those that are in similar situations. So he is not ashamed of his past. Now he's using his past to preach the gospel. Like a believer, we are supposed to be a channel of blessings. We are not supposed to be receiving and receiving and receiving and keeping it to ourselves. As we are receiving, we are supposed to be channeling it to others. Because it's just like a pipe. When water is running through a pipe, there's no, there's no how. There will be residue in you. There's no how. As you are passing it through, there will be something in you. So it's just, it's just like, um, it's just reassuring me of the scripture again. This, um, this, this, this scripture, this particular scripture is very, 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 very loaded. Very, very, very loaded. Hallelujah. I want to say something. Yeah, please go ahead. Okay. Um, I learned two things. And the first one is that we should learn to celebrate with people. Because I discovered that when the, the gatherings saw that this man was healed, you know, they can see that this man is really healed. And because, you know, I don't know how to put it. They are supposed to accept him. And that may be a channel of another deliverance for other people. But they chase Jesus away. So instead of celebrating with him, I'm accepting him. Like, okay, this man is here. We accept this man is here now. Who healed you? They saw the person and they chased the man away. So that may, that may be another open door for the city. And people will hear about that. And something is happening in that city, you know. And people will be healed. So the second thing is that... Um, when some, there are times in our life that what you are praying for is the same thing I'm praying for. So if God answers your own and is yet to answer my own, that doesn't mean that um, I'm not praying or God is not hearing me. So I should celebrate with you because my own is coming. So that's what I mean. Praise God. I remember a sermon that I listened to some years back and the preacher said a pregnant woman should not be envious of a woman that is carrying a baby because your own is just on the way in other words every believer and we will need more than one miracle in our life anyway Miracles or oh miracles. Can't tell miracles. One, two, three, four. I can't even count anymore. Something. Do you know that song? Do you, do you know the song? Ah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, I mean. God is always doing the miraculous in our lives. Every time. Each day is loaded with his miracle. Every day. And so, I, I live in a miracle to looking forward to another. So that should eliminate envy from my life. 
because I am in one already. And so I'm expectant of another. So, you know, like that woman and Jairus, Jairus was there when this woman received a miracle. Did he rejoice? I wouldn't know. Was he in haste? Was he in fear of a holy daughter going to die? Possibly so. But what I know is that Jesus of Jairus is still the same Jesus of the woman with the issue of blood. Another, another lesson for me now is that Jesus does not have favorites. That he was on his way to Jairus' house did not stop him from listening to all the explanation of this woman. I can assure Jesus must have been very attentive to listen. Just imagine a woman who had issues of blood for 12 years. 12 years, non-stop of flow of blood. It was not the day of a sanitary tower, no. Everybody in the city will know. Not a break, morning to night, for 12 years. I'm sure she must have got some stain of blood on her while Jesus was listening. Jesus, the same God, or the same Jesus that paid attention to Jairus, a respected leader, was also the same Jesus that listened to a woman with a lot of messes. Jesus had no favorite. He loves everyone equally. The same way Jesus loves me is the way he loves you. The same way Jesus loves the bishop is the same way he loves someone who has no who is not a bishop. Can you just tell God this moment and just thank him for his love? You know, that I have a God who, who has no favorite gives me great joy. He loves me unconditionally. That I have a God who is never late. Who cannot fail me. He is always on time. That I have a God that will not give up on me. Even when you give up on God, he is a God of a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, tenth times. You always have chances with God. He says, no one come to me and I will cast away. Irrespective of the number of times you have been coming to Jesus and returning, he always he looks forward to your coming. What a love. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. 
nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Can you sing that song from the beginning? Sister Chimwe, as she was talking, she said, someone that used to hurt people, you know, angry, never had peace. When he met Jesus, something changed in him. His heart was filled with joy. There was peace in his heart. Someone that used to be troubled became very calm. I want you to pray that, Lord, speak your peace into my heart. Speak your peace into my heart. Should there be any trouble in you, concerns, challenges, storms, Lord, I speak your peace over every situation. In the name of Jesus. thank you this evening be exalted in the name of Jesus thank you for your word thank you thank you for ministering to each and every one of us thank you for reminding us of your love for us thank you for reminding us of how much you care for us thank you for letting us know that you will never come late on every matter of our life you do things, you make all things beautiful at your own season and time, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We pray for the strength to follow you to the end. Give unto us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, blessed Redeemer. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Clap those hands for Jesus.